Well, hello and welcome to another Campfire Coworks Fireside Chat. We're extremely excited for you guys to tune in and watch this uh, new episode. And my guests today are the founders of Shape and Sound Arts Academy, Ben Paloski and Patrick Booth. And they are the two gentlemen that started this art academy with a new solution to providing an art education for today's youth. So that's really exciting and we're excited to have them here and talk a little bit about the creative arts, what you guys are accomplishing in the area, and how to make, uh, basically spread creativity around the world. That's what you're, you know, Marquette and beyond, right? Yep. So, you know, it says here that you guys aim to provide meaningful art-based experiences. Can you tell me a little bit about what does that mean? Well, I think we're trying to go beyond just having like a cut and dry lesson where we give these kids a formula and they create something. We want to have them really think about what they're making, why they're making it, and what that thing could could do for the world. So when we're trying to orchestrate these experiences, it's it's we don't necessarily always have a specific idea in mind of what the result is going to be. We're giving them some ideas, we're throwing some suggestions out there. There are skills that we're teaching them, mm -hmm. but as far as what they do with those skills is really more up to each individual. So, you know, we could design these sort of experiences that we have and a hundred different people could go through it and you'll end up with a hundred different results. It's kind of what well, the best way I can sum it up. Yeah, yeah, very open, right? So when a kid comes in, then you find out what they're passionate about and then try to direct that. And now you guys have was, both yeah. both have backgrounds in being teachers. And so my, how, when did you guys realize that you had a passion for the arts? Was it something that was developed early or it, over time? You're like, man, I think I have a knack for this. My love for music, so I'm the sound side of things at Shape and Sound Arts. My passion for music started when I was in sixth grade. Uh, sixth grade band and mm -hmm. my band director the late Bob Christ at Ithaca High School where I grew up was a huge influence on me because he showed us how to love music not from like an ability standpoint but just from a joy standpoint mm -hmm. so he instilled in us this this drive not to be the best musician but to be the most joyful musician and so I wanted to do that for children as well the way that he did and so that's why I decided to go into music education and from there I learned to really love to play the instrument and to play music and study music and so instead of going directly into the teaching field I went and did a master's in performance mm -hmm. and then from there began to perform more and more and more and now I'm, I'm teaching again right. and performing and all of it but like that's for me it started yeah just in sixth grade band from joy so what instruments can you play or do you play? Instruments that I play are clarinet, bass clarinet, and saxophone, saxophone being my main instrument. Mm -hmm. But through the music education program, I had to learn how to play all instruments Yeah. at a level that I could teach a young student. You know, So if a student came to me and asked me how to play a trumpet, I'd have to be like, oh, okay, here you go, here's <laughs> hot cross buns. But yeah, now it's, it's saxophone, saxophone and clarinets. Right. Great. What about you, Ben? What about the art side of when that was, you know, started for you? Yeah, uh, it's a little complicated, I guess, but I, I would say, you know, my earliest memories are just kind of creating art with my brothers. I have three brothers, uh, mm -hmm. two older, one younger, and my older brothers like to draw, and I think more than anything, I started off just wanting to impress them. So I think that's what kind of got the, the bug in me, and I, you know, I had parents that supported us being creative. My 
mom's really good at coming up with creative things for us to do around the house and during the summer and stuff like that. And then I think I was just, you know, even before I knew I wanted to do it for a living, mm-hmm. I was always, I always sort of gravitated towards other people that were making, whether it was visual arts, music, or, or something, I, I was just curious of like, oh, you're, in your free time, you're deciding to create something from nothing. That's interesting to me, and I, I want to know more about it. Even if it's not the thing I want to do, I want to know why you're doing it and, and what that's all about. I think I came to deciding I wanted to be a teacher at some point in college. I, 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 I did know I wanted to do something with art, but I really didn't know what. I was interested in video, I was interested in a lot of like found object art, and I just really felt scattered. And I actually was tutoring somebody that lived in the same building as me in math, mm-hmm. just because I was pretty decent at math, but I knew I definitely didn't, knew I didn't want to be any kind of math teacher. <laughs> I could teach somebody one on one, and I thought I got a lot of satisfaction out of that. And it was kind of a great deal. Mm-hmm. I had two people that I tutored. One of them was had their beautician's license, and the other one was uh, studying to be the culinary art. So mm-hmm. I tutored this person, get a good haircut. Tutor this other person, great get food. a great meal. It's like. <laughs> Oh man, maybe this is sounds great. How can I how can I do more of this? So I kind of decided to take that satisfaction from teaching, but then combine it more with my interest in art, and then here I am. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing that you know bartering services, right? Like, yeah. like, hey, I can teach you some things, you can teach me some things, and there maybe there might be a great uh, exchange of value there. You know, you might both of you use this term, the word creative. A lot of people use that nowadays, and it's even in the entrepreneurial sector. It's like creative entrepreneurs and you know designers and other people of that sort and developers. So it's used a lot in different types of contexts depending on the, the arena, but what is your definition of, of a creative? What it means to be a creative person? Hmm. It's a little deep. That is a, that is a tricky one. That's such a good question, though. I'm, I'm going to try to piece through it as best as I can. <laughs> I mean, I think it can, yeah, it can be a variety of things. I don't think it has to be your profession. Your profession might be something that nobody would think of as being creative. Like, I don't know, I'm just going to go with like a, a tax specialist. I don't know anything about that thing, but that just, to me, that seems like that would be something that's pretty cut and dry. But I bet if you had the right person with the right know-how and the right tools, they could, you know, turn that into something creative or at least have a creative way of doing their job. So what makes a person cre- a creative as like a noun? Uh, that's a tough one. I think hopefully they have some sort of a creative practice or creative outlet. Could involve making something. Could involve creating music. It could involve collecting stamps. I mean, there's there's a creative way to do just about anything. So I don't know. That's that's. I'm gonna start there. I'm gonna let that percolate a little bit more. I'm gonna let let you attempt it because that's a that's a loaded one yeah that is um and i was going to say the same thing that you were going to say everybody <laughs> is creative i, I believe that everyone short is, answer everyone's yeah, creative everyone is, everyone is creative you know ben and i talk about this a lot with our students we talk about it a lot with ourselves mm-hmm. um, and we talk we, about it a lot with parents because parents will you know get their kids involved in our program like, i don't have a creative bone in my body yeah you do maybe you haven't tapped into it and maybe it's not a part of your day-to-day but you got it yeah mm-hmm. you know we uh week was art week here in Marquette and we did a drawing web which people came to our booth and they would take a small square and they would draw something that was connected to another picture in the drawing web and we started with this we started with our logo for shape and sound and then it grew from there and it went to monsters we had unicorns 
we had a head with many ears, which was pretty. Agreed. That was pretty. That was a, one of the more creative there, ones. There's good symbolism there that we should often listen more. The more we speak, yeah. And <laughs> and one of the one of the first ones that was was drawn. It brings up this question. An adult came into the booth and sat down, and they asked if they could they could draw something. I'm yeah. Like, yeah. Of course. And like, well, I just like I'm not creative. Like I'm not a talented person. And both Ben and I like right away were like, yeah, you are. Mm -hmm. And they drew a stop sign and wrote stop. And it wasn't a stop sign exactly how it was. It was a little bit cooler. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a creative stop sign. Like what you just did was shown that you can draw something from memory. You can you can piece things together in a creative way that fits the drawing web. It, it's their stop sign. It's right? their stop it's sign. Like they owned it. It's their. It's however they would see fit. And you know, it's it's interesting how you talk about like you know the workshops what you do with the kids that get enrolled and even like involving the parents. And can you talk a little bit about like do you guys uh, use technology or technology-based tools in your workshops, and how does that get incorporated? Well, certainly right off the bat, you know, when we started our program, we we did start it in the middle of a pandemic, so we did have to start as an online program. So we were certainly utilizing Zoom and, and really any sort of program that could kind of assist us with, with doing a, a virtual distant educational program. So then, you know, we certainly have to do it just for the framework of our program, but then also just kind of teaching kids using technology. A lot of it kind of comes natural. There's sometimes where we will set up an idea or something like that. One of the students will be like, Oh well, can I can I incorporate photography into that, or can you know can we do video or you know something like that? You know, we did a really interesting project. It was kind of for a, something that Fringe hosted. Fringe hosted this online video festival. Uh, what was it called? Glimpses from nowhere. Glimpses from, from elsewhere. From elsewhere, yeah. Different video artists from wherever to submit like a five-minute video or less, mm -hmm. and they were gonna put together this whole show. And you know, we just kind of approached that with our students, sort of like you know. How, what sort of thing can we do? And we're like, you know, you can do animation, you, you know, if somebody wants to do music, if somebody wants to do photography, like what, what can we do? And just kind of like, you know, we really tried to treat them like collaborators, you know, throwing ideas out there, putting our ideas and experience into the conversation, but not saying like, this is what you should do, or this is what you must do or anything mm -hmm. like that. So yeah, a lot of it just comes natural, but uh, you know, certainly a lot of it is, is just the way Things are going. Mm -hmm. I, I think if you're if you're doing anything, I don't know, even creative or not creative. I, I mean, if you're not at least considering how technology is going to play a role in that, or how it can assist in some way, or I don't know, you might be missing out on something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And do you find that the <clears throat> the kids are they're quick to learn some of the technology? Or do you Absolutely. think? Do you feel that they're like? I granted, in every every situation, there is a bit of a learning curve. But do they tend to grasp it fairly quickly? Pretty quickly, yeah. I mean, again, you know, just with Art Week, one of the events we did was kind of this collaborative. We we referred to it as an animation jam, where we taught kids just the littlest bit about doing stop motion animation, and we had these kind of stations set up, and then we said go and then they and they went like I was a little nervous about it beforehand <laughs> it's like I don't know man stop motion animation with kids that we don't even have like a relationship with yet is that going to work and it like they knocked it out of the park and it's great it's great so yeah oftentimes they're super quick to it sometimes no things I don't know or noticed something I don't I didn't realize different perspective yeah yeah, yeah I think it's 
it's a project that's been on my mind recently. Like I have a young son who has he's going to be two in August, and so on his birthday, I'm going to release a record mm-hmm. of duets that he doesn't know that he played, but he played. He I would record him playing piano by himself from when he was seven months old. He would just sit at the piano, and I would record him until he was done. Some of them were. 45 seconds long, some of them are four minutes long. And then I sent them to all of my favorite improvisers around the world. And I said, hey, you know, if this is all at the start of the pandemic. I'm like, hey, if you find time, record a duet with my son. You know, mm-hmm. he's a year and a half. And they all, who are, you know, they're world-class improvisers and musicians and creative people, they all came back and said the same thing. They said, I haven't been this nervous to play with someone in a long time because the creativity of a child's mind is completely different than the creativity of an adult's. Because we are basing our creative integrity, our creative output, our creative like framework on like failures and successes we've had in our life. And so we can sort of see things like, oh, if I do this, there's this outcome. But when you're working with young children, they haven't experienced that. And so their creative outlook on things is, is, limitless you know you just tell them like this is what we're doing this is what you have to work with try it out and then they make something that would take us you know yeah months yeah or we would stress about it for you know days beforehand like i have this idea but i don't know i you know maybe it's not going to work out or maybe people are going to misunderstand it and kids Mm -hmm. are just like oh i'm just going to do it and yeah and you have like this masterpiece in front of you their fear is like almost not there it's non-existent because they're not afraid to try new things like you said we you know we oftentimes limit ourselves because of past experiences the fear of like uh, now no one's gonna like this or people are gonna you know Mm -hmm. think i'm doing it this way or that way and and i think that's also interesting you mentioned like it was a challenge like they didn't they were afraid and nervous like i think that might be a good exercise for you know people that think they're all down a bag just as creative it's like hey why don't you do something that's completely out of your comfort zone and do something with creatively with some like you like you provide the footage mm-hmm. and they're able to kind of put their own uh, take on it and realize like wow there's something that could be really uh, meaningful and uh, beneficial for everyone involved so yeah. that's interesting you know i never thought i never think you hear something like oh it was a challenge to work with you know footage that you provided from like a two-year-old that's just kind of playing on the piano (laughs) yeah I figured it would be I didn't figure it would be that challenging but I've tried it myself and it is it is incredibly challenging I I sort of think about it like the alphabet it would be like you know just like randomly say the alphabet and don't miss any letters Mm -hmm. and my brain instantly short circuits and I'm just like I can't (laughs) like I can't even I don't even know where to begin you know because it's so ingrained in us to say it in matter. order yeah. like it's been so ingrained in us like this is the alphabet anything else is not the alphabet color inside the lines yeah don't, don't go outside the lines yeah exactly so yeah i think you know a lot of what we are trying to do with our program it is like hold on to that fearlessness you know we want it we we started working with the, with the age group that we felt like they still they still kind of have that but as they get, you know, in high school, they're starting to get self-conscious. You know, somebody told them they didn't like their drawing or something mm-hmm. like that. So now, all of a sudden, when they go to make something, they're worried. Now they're worried about how somebody's gonna reinterpret it. And and I've worked with a lot of students, you know, at the middle school and high school level that are, I think, are way more talented than I was at their age. Mm-hmm. But they get a little scared of those how other people are going to interpret their work. And they'll sometimes fall back on something that, you know, that they've done a hundred times. You know, they draw, they have their character that they've drawn mm-hmm. 9,000 times. 
and that's cool that they've gotten that much practice, but you want to try to shake them out of that and get them to do something new, and that's really a lot of what we're trying to do, is get them to do something that they couldn't do on their own. I mean, yeah. yeah. It's, and that's more of a, that's a human thing. You know, we tend oh, yeah. to be pulled back to what's comfortable mm -hmm. versus, you know, because we're trying to avoid pain. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so when you step out of your comfort zone, you're doing something that it, it, there's going to be a learning curve and it might be painful because, yeah, I don't want to do it this way or like, you know, especially if it comes to like, you know, if you never would work before or doing any type of sculpture work, you're like, well, just knowing, first you got to start with the tools, right? Knowing the type of tools. So what are the, like when it comes to like musicianship and like sounds, what are the type of tools you guys kind of yeah, use in that in that aspect? Oh, oh anything. Really. <laughs> you know, uh, like anybody is creative. Like everyone is creative. Like everyone can be a, a sound device. You know, mm -hmm. like everything that we come in contact with can be sound. And that was that was something again that took a took a while. But you mm -hmm. just sort of sort of start to look at things a little bit differently when you look at it from a sonic perspective. Not that like everything is going to be a masterpiece, like not everybody's going to be Beethoven. Yeah. But, you know, Beethoven had failures too. Sure. And so when it comes to like, you know, things that we use in that context, it's, it's like I think we live in a beautiful place, right? Mm -hmm. We can all agree that Marquette is a beautiful, beautiful place. No argument yes. here. And so I look at it like how can we use that beauty from like a musical perspective and you go out and you find a vantage point where you can see Hogsback, you can see Sugarloaf, you can see the tree lines, you can see all these things and there's different levels and all of a sudden if you can trace that in your mind mm -hmm. and then you can put notes to that, it mm -hmm. gives you everything that you need. It gives you your range, it gives you your length, it gives all of it and then all of a sudden you play it mm -hmm. and it's literally like you've played the skyline of Marquette. Yeah. You've played the skyline between Marquette and Big Bay. Or, you know, a really cool project that I've seen people do is they tape pens and pencils to the tree branches mm -hmm. and they put a piece of paper underneath just so they're touching so that when the wind blows through it moves the the pens and pencils. Mm -hmm. And then they can then they're like, Okay, that's done. Like this is legitimately what air looks like when it goes through a tree. And then you can do the same thing with music. Like you put a piece of manuscript paper underneath and the, the tree actually draws the contour of the line. Interesting. Um, you know? Or That's like reading cool. tree bark. I read tree bark with a band before. <laughs> and I made a system of, of sonic textures based on what you see when you look at a piece of tree bark. Wow. You know? And by the way, you don't have to just live in Marquette, Michigan to do all these fun things. Like no. wherever you're at, right? Like wherever. Start exploring because... It's amazing you live in just a small little bubble and you realize that if you just push out of that and you go in exploring for different areas you be you'd be shocked where the inspiration will eventually uh hit right because no yeah. one knows you we have a we as humans have a very we're very difficult of knowing what really makes us happy until we get out there and they're like oh, i i don't think i'll ever be happy doing that and then you do it and you're like wow mm -hmm. boy have i been missing out right yeah we don't yeah. want to miss out on anything yeah no. just like there's no, there's no reason why you can't try and try and try. Yeah. And I think, you know, another aspect related to that of what we're trying to do, it, it's, it, you know, these different ways of kind of experiencing these, the world through a creative lens, whether it's mm -hmm. music, whether it's visual, whatever, is, is giving, giving the people that participate in our program a different way to experience the world around them. So, you know... I've been doing a lot more photography lately, and now it's like I walk around Marquette, and it feels 
like a fresh place to me because I've spent some time looking at it in a different way or like trying to pay attention to different parts of the world. You don't look up in town as much as you often do. Like you think, oh yeah, you notice the sky, but you don't necessarily always know the skyline or mm -hmm. what buildings are peeking over another one. And it just, I don't know, it's kind of, at the very least it's refreshing and at, at, you know, hopefully there's some profound discoveries that happen along the way as well. Yeah, unfortunately everyone's doing the smartphone slouch when they're walking, oh, they're yeah. just doing mm -hmm. this. So it's like, like you said, you know, how often do you stop and just kind of look around like, wow, yeah, never noticed that. Yeah. yeah, and it's not to say that, you know. <laughs> not to put people down for, you know, being addicted to technology, but <laughs> like, mean, we all do it. We all have our own <laughs> Right. <laughs> yeah, it's not even to say that, like, that needs to be their creative outlet for the rest of their life, but they have that, they have that resource, they have that tool, they have maybe a new way that they can experience the world around them, whether that's the town they've lived in for 40 years or a new place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, earlier you guys mentioned about, you know, Art Week, and you know, we just had Art Week here this last week in Marquette. It's the last week of June, and it has been for the last couple couple years now. And for you guys specifically, what is it about Art Week that just like, man, I just can't wait till Art Week shows up? I think it's just it's the whole town kind of like vibrating from it. You know, even if not everybody is involved in every event, it's still to, it's a little bit of everywhere. It, there's like it really fills in so many nooks and crannies and this year I think was you know the biggest one we've had so far so it's just it's really nice to get other people to start paying attention to some of this stuff I, I mean that's that's the start of it yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it, it sort of ties into what you were talking about with photography putting art in random places around town makes people stop and look makes them see mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've walked by the commons here in town I don't know how often like how many times I've walked through downtown and just like gotten to where I needed to go mm. and not remembered seeing anything. Yeah. And with like all of this art then being added, you know, to the sidewalks, to the walls, to the windows, you know, it gives you something to look and then it's like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. look at this store that I have never noticed because like I just didn't pay attention. Because I have to get where I'm going exactly. and I'm on a schedule or life happens and it's just mm -hmm. everything else kind of gets pushed to the wayside. Right? Yep. I'm just going to get a cookie and nothing's going <laughs> to stop me from that path. <laughs> and then it's like, wow, look at this amazing storefront. And like I never would have noticed it if somebody didn't put a mural on it, you know? So that's yeah. like just one of the many beautiful things about Art Week here. Yeah. And then you said like this one being biggest thus far is it because you think that it's starting like more people are getting involved in it or based on like past year a lot of you know with people kind of being secluded and you know quarantine they're like man i just got to get out there i just got to be around my you know my people my tribe my group and you know to you know like you said to vibrate off one yeah. another to that synergy i i think it's it's a bit of both i know certainly for me you know it had been so long since i'd gotten to like really make art with people in a more public setting so when art week was starting to come up and i just started talking to a bunch of different people about ideas and it seemed like every idea i was throwing out there people were saying yes to so it's just like all of a sudden we're doing like a hundred different things but it was kind of refreshing because you've been kind of building that up for so long but yeah I, and then i think it is also the other thing that they've gotten a lot more people involved this is, it was actually my first art week because oh. last year we didn't have it and I've only been in Marquette for just under two years, so I, I hopefully I contributed a little bit to the increase because I wasn't here for the last one. Yeah. Um, oh, and all your ideas are being approved, Ben. I mean, 
I hey, feel like that's a thought. You're batting a thousand percent. <laughs> <on the pitch. laughs> you're literally only hitting home runs. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> I don't know about that, but I had a good Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I think about seeing the huge increase in people for Art Week. I think another thing that is is sort of interesting to look at is people who didn't think they were creative, or like didn't have an outlet for their creativity, or felt a little bashful about their creativity, just spent a year maybe only doing the thing that let them create because they were stuck in their house. And then all of a sudden they were able to step back and be like, wow, now is the time for me just to be like, hey, look at my art. Yeah. Let me do something. Like I feel like people really wanted to showcase what they've done over the last year or something that they've been doing for decades and no one ever knew. Yes, that's the biggest thing where like people, they're, they're their own worst critic, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh man, that's not good. But then you get out there and then people are like, wow, people really enjoy this. People are purchasing it. That's the key ingredient. If someone really likes it, they're gonna, hey, can I buy this off you? That's where you know, like, wow, you really got something here because mm -hmm. it's when people are willing to, you know, exchange counters for it. And it's not all about the money, but it's like at least it shows that it's being valuable. You know, yeah. people are valuing it for what it really is, and and it's all yours. You know, you take yep. full ownership and control of how you put that together. And so obviously, Art Week was fantastic. You guys had a blast, and it was just fun seeing the community engagement. So where do you guys see like art? The, and our community going or expanding here locally? Well, uh, I guess first in, in regards to Art Week, one thing I kept telling, you know, there was some kid on Friday of last week with the, we were doing some a sidewalk painting over by the Commons, mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, Art Week is, is over tomorrow? I want it to go longer. And I was like, don't worry, next year. So this year was Art Week. Next year we'll do Art Month. <laughs> and then the year after that, we'll just do art years, be doing stuff like this all the time. She's like, all right, just two more years. All right, let's do it. And that would be, you know, I think that is certainly a possibility. I think there, that this community really does support the arts. They're, you know, they're certainly open to some different ideas happening here. I guess more for my own sort of like personal goals along with like shape and sound. I really want to make connections between, have art be the glue or the connector between the community and some of the entities and businesses and organizations in town. Because mm -hmm. I, I think there's an interesting way to build art experiences that are that are helping people to make those connections with their community. Wow. That's, yeah, that's very powerful. And like, like with you guys, like seeing like, do you think that we need more creatives? Like the demand is high that we need more people jumping into the creative field? I think we... We need more people being more creative. <laughs> just uh, overall. Just yeah. overall in, in all fields. Yep. Now, to, do we need more people in the creative fields? That gets a little trickier because I feel like part of that is getting more into the business money side of things and that, you know, as I, I've told everybody that I work with, that's not my expertise in the in the creative arts. So I, I would love to see more people with a creative outlet, a creative twist with what they're doing on a day-to-day -day life. But as someone that has uh, has experienced the amount of work that it is to make it a living, yeah. I don't know that I would like, hey, you should, you should go into... Uh, a local art community program or something like that. I, don't, I, I think it would be better for the world if that were more happen, if, mm -hmm. if more of that kind of thing was happening. I don't know that everybody would be able to pay their 
bills. It's yeah. Where I hesitate to be like, oh, everybody should be creating art. But I don't know. Maybe there's there's maybe somebody else has that other piece of the puzzle that I I can't yeah, speak to. There's those, you know there's being the creative, and then there's also the business proponent or the entrepreneurial proponent, which is a whole nother side of things because first got to hone your skills into something that you really want to do or you really are you know very proficient and professional at and then going to market or trying to allow other people to know that hey this is what I do for work and this is what I do for a living and if they're gonna be you know turn that into a business but before you even do that it's all about just just creating because it's fun like you talked about your music uh, teacher is just about be a joyful musician be a joyful uh, artist yeah. and if that's all that is it just brings you happiness and joy and peace then you won, you know, but obviously not to negate that, hey, you know, you still, you know, you gotta make a living somehow, but there are ways now and platforms that people are using their creative outlets to make some kind of income from that. Mm -hmm. And so that's, it's kind of neat because like, as you guys ex expand your company, you know, what are some areas that you're looking of, of expanding into? Well, I would say, you know, we started off the program and, you know, our, the biggest sort of motivator was the fact that the middle school here had canceled their visual arts program. So we were like, there, there's an immediate need for the community. Mm -hmm. That's where we should start. But now that, you know, we've been working with that age group and, you know, we'll, our vision of what we could be doing for the community has grown and changed and evolved in different ways. I, I, I certainly think we intend to expand that age group that we serve. And I really think... We've got something to offer really anyone mm -hmm. at any age level. And I think, you know, like we, we have this summer camp program that we're, we're going to be providing for ages 9 to 14, but I really think that same program could benefit just about anyone. Maybe, maybe it would need to be skewed a little bit for a younger group or rearranged a little bit for an older group. But I even, I, you know, I was even saying the other day, it'd be really great if we could at some point find a way to provide this program as an all ages thing and get, you know, kind of an intergenerational experience. Mm -hmm. You know, how does somebody that's in their seventies respond to some of these ideas versus somebody who is seven? Mm -hmm. And just kind of get that conversation. Yeah, going. so you have like grandma or grandpa with their- Yeah, bring the whole family. And they, everyone comes in because they have, everyone's got different life experiences. They live through different times. Yep. So like when they're doing this and doing that, and it's just overall just a bonding experience. Everyone gets together and it's a, it's a family outing, right? Like it's, Absolutely. A, it's a good time and it's a fun time. And, one thing that we're trying to do is along, along with what we're doing here at Campfire Coworks is working with MATI, which is the uh, Masonic Arts Theater and Innovation Group. And a very similar thing is just like, you know, there are a bunch of artists out there or there's these creatives that, you know, maybe a program was canceled or they're looking for a creative outlet and they have, you know, spaces and resources available and to just let people know like, hey, it's available. It, but you got to take initiative too. you got to put the time in to like, hey, if you, this is something you want to commit to, commit to it, mm -hmm. and there is no right or wrong way to do this. You're only kind of limited by your imagination, right? Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. And then, you know, if people want to learn more about like their creative outlets and how they would get in touch with you guys, or maybe, you know, if they have an arti uh, artistic son or daughter, or they know maybe their neighbor is like, man, like she's really good art. Like how would they get in contact with you in that, that whole process? I, I mean, the, the quickest, uh, sort of most complete answer is just going to our website, uh, shapingsoundarts.com. That can give you an idea of our goals as an organization. Uh, you can take a glimpse at some of our visual arts and music curriculum that we've worked with. Uh, you can see some examples of, of student work, some of our resources that we have. If, if, you, if you're 
go to that and you still have questions or blanks that need to get filled in, then you can email us. The email's on the website or it's just shapingsoundarts at gmail.com. We also have Instagram, which is at shapingsoundarts. Anyone? Any Facebook. Missing? Facebook yeah, or on there. Sound Arts. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All the socials, right? All yeah, we socials. tried to get the big ones at, at least. Yeah. That's great. That's great. Now, this may be just quickly switching gears. Favorite projects that you've ever worked on? Right, and that might be um, hard to pick one, but like the th thing that you make, man, when I did this project, wow, was it fun and memorable. Do you have one? geared up. I, I can go into just, one that comes to mind. Go for it. Okay. I remember my it was my first year teaching in a new school. It was an elementary school in Tucson, Arizona. And, you know, I was tr I was really trying to be ambitious with some of the projects and sometimes you start a project and you start to think, I don't know, man, I might have really bitten off, you know, more than I could chew with this one. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was third grade and we were trying to do these sort of mixed media paper mache masks. So they kind of build a cardboard, like almost helmet around their head. And then we do paper mache and all sorts of different stuff on top of it. And, you know, for some kids it was definitely a challenge. Not everyone knocked it out of the park necessarily, but everybody tried. And I think even the, the students that didn't have the mask they had in their head sitting in front of them. I think they got something out of it. Mm -hmm. And then some kids just really, really knocked it out of the park. I'm just like, I, I'm teaching this and I don't think <laughs> I could have made something this interesting or profound. Um, you want to teach the next lesson there, young man? Yeah, it's like, man, we got to give you, we got to get you on the payroll here. Right. You got, some, something's going on there that yeah. we should all be harnessing. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, I guess me. Uh, let's see. He, went, he, got, he gave you plenty of time, Pat. I know. I'm just trying to think, like, I don't know. I've done some cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the one with your with your son, that was pretty pretty neat. Is that one Or was that just like... That's like kind of... Yeah, that's like amazing. You know, because it, it's... That's been, like, just a joy to see, like, it helped me get through the pandemic, sort of thinking about it. And, like, I never I never thought I would release it. Yeah. But going to and all the you know all the money that's raised through it is going to get donated to an arts organization for for youth. That's um, great. Because you know I just yeah it's so that's a cool project. I guess another visual art inspired project is when I was living in Traverse City before moving to Marquette. I worked with a piano player named Jeff Haas, who really really amazing person, and he's a radio. He has a radio show on public radio called the New Jazz Archive which everyone should listen to. It's on uh, NPR, run through IPR, Interlocking Public Radio. But Jeff and I played duo while two painters painted the music, okay. which was cool. So like they each had these easels and they had their, they had their, what's it called? Canvas, canvas, canvas <laughs> nice. <laughs> Sorry, this is a musician. So the canvas on these easels that spun. So they could look at the, they weren't they weren't since everything was improvised they were not stuck with one uh viewpoint of the canvas so like it's not they, one dimensional it's like yeah. you know, like wow so they would stand back and they would spin it you know and they would like look at it and completely and those two artists are tali farchi and royce deans and they are it was amazing we did it we like practiced it a bunch mm -hmm. and then we did uh, i think we did three different performances live for a live audience where they would they would paint these how long pictures. were the how long were the performances? Depended. Yeah. You know, we would usually do they would do two paintings per okay. performance. So like I would say both like they would paint a picture in fifty minutes. Okay. And 
that was like a really like a profoundly moving experience because then you were like you know me as as the improviser like I tried to keep my eyes closed because I didn't necessarily want to be affected by what they were painting color wise but I could hear their movements I could hear the movement of the brush and the scrapes and so like I could tell when they were like when they were really moving like mm -hmm. I could tell when they were really going at it on mm -hmm. the canvas and like to hear that like auditory cue like really helped like me connect with them on a deeper on a deeper level mm -hmm. and then it was amazing too to see and they also faced away from each other so they didn't know what the other person was painting and they have two very different styles but a couple of the times they would turn their paintings around and they were like almost identical based oh, on wow. what they heard and so like when they were in they were in sync like the like, yeah like, on, on the frequency with the music and just the the wow. way that they heard the music was uh, cohesive, which right. I was, it's just blows my mind. <laughs> Even thinking about it, I'm just like, man. As you're as you're describing it, it's like I want to go to a performance. Like I want to see this. Like that that would be just an amazing thing to just go see and just just to witness and yeah. see how that whole you know is all put together. So really amazing stuff. Yeah. So awesome. We're probably at the top of our hour here at Campfire Coworks. So Ben Patrick. Both you guys, thank you so much for thank being you. here, being part of uh, the Campfire Fireside Chat. And for all of you guys that are out there listening, watching this currently or in the sometime near future, please go and check out Ben and Patrick at Shape and Sounds Art Academy. And don't forget to register for their summer camp, which is filling up fairly quickly. And that's going to be a lot of fun if you got a talented or artistic son or daughter, or you know somebody that like to get a creative outlet, please uh, jump on there and register and it'll be a great time for everyone involved. So thank you so much and we look forward to seeing you again at our next Fireside Chat.